Hey, Peter. Peter? Wait, you're not Peter. <laughs> I'm Adam Manis, and Peter Martin is out of town today, but we've got a special guest. I would say an upgrade, actually. The great Warren Wolf <laughs> is in the studio today. Warren, how you doing? Everything's good. What's happening? I'm good, man. So we have you here. First of all, you're, you're playing across the alley over at Jazz St. Louis. How are the shows going this week? Shows are going great. Uh, I've been in town since Tuesday, um, but you know our shows on Wednesday and Thursday were canceled because of the snow, but yeah. we finally got it in. Uh, Friday and Saturday night. It's been great playing some good music, and we have one more set tonight. Cool. Well, hopefully they put you up in a hotel that had stuff to do, man, because uh, you were, like, snowed in the whole time. If it was baseball season, we would be great because we were right across the street from the ballpark. Oh, but, yeah, you know, yeah. We're kind of just hanging out, just eating a lot. <laughs> so we're going to ta- we're gonna talk to you today about three of your favorite mallet tracks, but um, I know you're, you're on the road for a little bit here. You're going to Minneapolis this week, and tell the people where you're going to be. I will be at the Dakota Bar and Grill, Jazz Bar and Grill in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. And then uh, after that, this is going to be pretty busy between uh, Christian McBride and Inside Straight and the uh, SF Jazz Collective. And still a little bit of my stuff, too. Oh, yeah. We're familiar with Inside Straight. Pretty much the entire band is open (laughs) studio artists at this point. So uh, the Minneapolis gig. So this is airing on Monday. What days are you over there? What nights? So we'll be at the uh, Dakota on Tuesday. We'll be playing um, two different shows. Tuesday will be the History of the Vibraphone, which is uh, I play music pretty much from like the 40s all the way up until today. Different uh, vibes, flares to show how the instrument has evolved. And then on uh, Wednesday, we'll be playing more or less R&B infusion from my band called Reincarnation, which was my fourth release on the Mac Avenue label. Oh, congrats, man. Thank you. That's great. That's great. Well, yeah, so uh, Minneapolis folks know that Dakota is such a cool place. Mm -hmm. It's such a great stage to play on. It's such a great room to, to listen to music in. So don't miss that. Don't miss that band. And so we've got three tracks lined up. Before we get into it, though, if people aren't familiar with your history, like I, I just saw this so, this post you made on social media last week about like your childhood as a classical musician. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Like, because we have so many members here with Open Studio that started off playing one kind of music and now they want to learn more jazz and they want to be able to play that. But you yeah. started off like playing in concert halls, right, with like mallets in yeah. the classical repertoire. Yeah, my first tour. I look at my career honestly as in two different halves. Um, my first tour, I was six or seven years old. I went out with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. Six or seven years old? Yeah. <laughs> oh six God. or seven years old was my first tour. I went on a, I mean, I didn't know what what, it, what I was really doing. I thought it was just going to be, uh, I mean, I, I thought I was just hanging out in cool hotels with my yeah. mom. My mom came with oh, me. Oh, man, that's great. Um, but yeah, I went out on a tour with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra playing this piece called the uh, the Pop Hyper Fantasy featuring flautist James Galway. And I was one of the little uh, percussionists that they had on oh, stage. Oh, man. But, um. Ever since that show, I had a, again, the first side of my career, I had a long uh, association with the Baltimore Symphony just playing like um, pieces that were made for violin and flute and piccolo, but on marimba because of the octave range. Yeah. You know, a lot of pieces were not made for vibraphone at that time. Now, I'm, this is around 1986, 87, somewhere around yeah. those years. Wow. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people thought I grew up in a, a jazz household, and that totally was not the case, you know. My parents, they were brought up in the uh, uh, 60s and 70s, so they were used to hearing, you know, Motown and yeah. Sly Stone and, you know, all of that good stuff. And um, 
but my jazz was, I mean, I said my jazz, my father was just a huge fan of music. Yeah. And I think one of his earlier, earliest influences when it came to the uh, vibraphone, which is an instrument that my dad actually played as well, but not professionally. You know, he, he had a little band that played around town, around Baltimore and Washington, D.C. Um, but, you know, he was a history teacher in school. Yeah, yeah. So um, he was a huge fan of Bobby Hutchison yeah. and Rory Ayers. But, you know, again, we listen to everything around yeah. our, our household. You know, my mom, she loved, you know, all the same stuff that my dad loved, the Motown stuff. And then I have two older sisters. And that was kind of like my introduction to um, early, like, Def Jam hip-hop. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I've heard a lot. But God then... bless the older siblings, man. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> you definitely. But, man, you know, it's the same for me, man. My dad was, like, playing in, like, folk bands, but he was never, like, he, but he always had another job or whatever. Definitely. But just, like, there was always music around. And it's crazy. Like, I think people underestimate how famous James Galway was in 1986, man. man. Like, my parents were not classical music fans mm-hmm. by any stretch, but they had all his albums. Like, yeah. he was, like, a big deal. He was a big deal. And yeah. I, I think one of the things that I really remember as a kid about him was that I think he had a gold flute. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that was the main thing. I was like, wow, you have a flute that's gold. Man, well, that's baller. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's great. So, so uh, I'm assuming you know you you discovered jazz and and took to it because you're such a prolific improviser. You're such an incredible improviser, and uh, yeah. So tell tell us about that. When did you start like playing playing that music and and discovering that you can make your own stuff up? Well, my dad started giving me lessons at jazz when I was around five or six, or I should just say improv for the most part, but mm-hmm. I totally just didn't understand it. I was like, I, I can't do this. This was hard. But he had me, um, you know, playing solos, written out solos that he had down in manuscript paper from Sonny Rollins and things like that. And then I remember when I was a kid, we started working out of the Omni book uh, for Charlie Parker. Mm. Um, and I didn't really know what was happening i just i was a good reader because of the classical side yeah so my dad would you know pull out the cassette tapes and you know i would just play toward those charlie parker solos um and hopefully something would come out of it yeah and you know honestly i thought i was gonna be a great classical musician my career was going to classical i mean my teachers were in the were in the baltimore symphony i was doing tours i was doing shows i had lessons I was the um, the the principal timpanist for a, a a band called the Peabody Sinfonia, and we we toured Europe twice yeah. around that time. So I thought, you know, jazz and R and B was just way in the background, but it sounded so nice because my dad with his band they were rehearsing our basement every weekend. And I was like, man, you guys sound great, and um, I think vividly one one you know one of the songs that they used to play in in his band was uh morning dance yeah um by spiral gyra and you know i used to listen to them play that song but then one day you know i just went and listened to the recording of that song and i was like who is this dude on marimba yeah yeah <laughs> and you know back then we could all look at the liner notes and, and and check out who was uh on the records and i saw this guy dave samuels and you know, I started just checking him out a little bit more, and realized he also played vibes, and you know, he was probably like the highest played mallet player in the '80s. Yeah. To his his uh, association with Spiral Jara, and uh, he was probably the main reason why I decided to attend Berkeley College of Music. Really, he was there. He was teaching there. Nice. So a lot of people assumed that I studied with Gary Burton because he was there, but Gary wasn't teaching by the time I got to Berkeley. This is a uh, September of 1997. 
Gary was the vice president of Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah, so he so, wasn't in the, yeah. No, nah, he was not in the classroom. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's another, Spyro Gyro is another band, I think younger listeners might not understand that not only did every, all of our parents who were more our age have like James Galway, but they also, everybody had a tape of Spyro Gyro. Yeah. We had multiples, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it's because my dad was, that was like the first wave of trying to replace his LP collection. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I got to get the Spyro Gyro. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I grew up with this too. So let's listen to a little bit of Morning Dance and uh, check out Warren Wolf's early influence here. That's Dave Samuels on the marimba, and you were just saying that's the first solo you learned. That's the first one you transcribed? Yeah, it's kind of like after hearing all of these different horn players, and I love gravitating to a horn player because I never really listened to mallet players, but um, <laughs> when I, you know, hearing Charlie Parker, Cannonball, Miles, I was just like, I don't get it. But then for some reason, maybe it was because of the rhythm that was going on in the band, and, you know, it was it's a major key. Yeah. So I was like, this kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's like it kind of opens up a little bit. I hear what's going on because he's playing the chord changes, but at the same time, he's still playing a lot of blues. That's right. Uh, which blues always makes it easier to understand. <laughs> it does. So. But you can kind of hear everything pretty easily, yeah, too. very easy. Like yeah. it's, it's the mix of these are so clean that you can really pick mm-hmm. it out. That's great. So uh, next up, we have some Milt Jackson, which I think everybody thinks of, you know, one of the first when yeah. they think of jazz vibes players. So this is from a... 
a Mill Jackson record, uh, That's the Way It Is, featuring Ray Brown. This is Frankie and Johnny. What yep. about this is, uh, is up there for you? To be honest, the first thing that really stood out when I used to listen to this recording back in the day, honestly, was the pianist, and that's uh, Monty Alexander yeah. on piano. I just love the way he just kind of focused on the blues and, you know, along with Ray Brown just digging on the bass so hard. It's just the G blues. But then when Milk came in and, you know, he just kind of, he didn't play a lot. You know, his stuff was just very simple and it was just in the pocket. You know, I just, you know, going from Dave to hearing this, I, I started kind of to relate the two. Yeah. Like, okay, let's hear what Milk is doing now over the swing field. And, you know, he didn't add a lot of alter, uh, alternate chords and, and alternate notes and things like that. He just played everything that just seemed to be, like, right there. And it, it just it just felt great, you know, sounded good. Let's check it out. This is Frankie and Johnny from Milt Jackson's That's the Way It Is record, featuring Ray Brown.
That's Milt Jackson, Frankie and Johnny from Milt's record with Ray Brown. That's the way it is. And by the way, we'll have a Spotify playlist here linked in the show notes if you want to go check out these three tracks. And that's swinging. That's great. <laughs> that's great. I love the, I love, I could just imagine, you know, like that walking baseline under Ray Brown. Mm-hmm. Like no pressure there, man. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but Monty Alexander. Up, yeah. up to the task for sure, and I think that was Monty's first recording with Ray. Oh, really? Like first time playing at yeah. that time. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be terrified. All right. <laughs> so uh, next up is this is a solo from Roy Ayers, and this is from a Buster Williams record. Although uh, Roy has recorded this himself, mm-hmm. this is from uh, Buster Williams' Crystal Reflections album, 1976, and this is Vibrations. What is it about Roy Ayers play, playing that you love so much? Because he brought, like, again, mixed in. Is it still that combination? It's like you hear the blues, you hear a soul in this plan. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they don't really, especially today, they don't really hear Rory playing like the actual instrument, like the vibes, because he's always playing like the uh, Malakat. And that could be probably because of a few reasons. Maybe he's getting older, uh, it's hard to find vibes everywhere. Um, and with the Malakat, you don't really, for those who don't know what the Malakat is, it's like an electric version of the vibraphone. Yeah. Um, you don't have to work as hard to yeah. play it. You know, you just, it's kind of like a drum pad. You just turn it up like a keyboard almost, except with, it's with vibes. But here he's playing the actual instrument and he just, he's playing with so much aggression and power. You know, he sounds great. Um, he just flowing over. It just kind of, you kind of learn how to just really get like the, all of the the good notes when you're just playing a nice little simple groove. Again, it's the it's the same combination like going from Dave Samuels to Milt to Borrieres and many others. You know. Yeah. So my thing about practicing and playing has always been to take parts of all of these different players, even horn players and drummers and things like that, and and put them into my own ideas, and then I will come up with a particular sound. Well, and straight to Warren Wolf. Like, yeah. so what's so? What is the the your latest release that you like people to be checking out right now? Um, album wise, are you working on something new? I'm not working on anything new at the moment, uh, but we'll see. I mean, the plan is hopefully to record an album of of just me playing everything. Cool. Um, you know, I might have some little added extras, like you know, horn players. But as far as like the meat of the record, like the rhythm section, yeah, and myself and vibes. That, that that's the plan for me. Well, you did that on your open studio course. So for those of you who yeah. don't know, Warren has two courses with us: improvisation for all, and then jazz vibes voicings for beginners, a little mini course. But on your improvisation for all, mm-hmm. you're playing drums, you're playing upright bass, you're playing piano, and you made backing tracks. Yes, for the students yeah. on all those instruments. It's pretty incredible, man. So yeah. I I'm I, I'm so excited you're making a whole album <laughs> like just you style yeah, that, yeah that's the plan so we'll see when that happens but um stevie it, style <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, man that's great um so i like i like to talk i mean all the records on mac avenue they are are a big deal for me yeah but the last record the reincarnation which is kind of uh we kind of went away from like the swing feel of the music but it's still jazz you know we still had like complex harmonies and things like that totally um that album came out like right before the pandemic so it kind of got washed away it was a good album though we talked about it here i think we played a little bit on the show yeah that was i'm very happy with that record um and the last record um is my christmas bops record so i saw that i'd like people to get that you know those christmas records can always be recycled every year so yeah pick one up absolutely come, come november and 
and listen, uh, folks, it's only the same 20 <laughs> tunes. Exactly. Like, so you got to get a different version in there. Exactly. Cool. Well, we'll put a link here, uh, Warren, to all of your open studio courses. So if you're interested in learning from Warren, you should really check those out. They're so good, man. You're such a you're such a uh, inspired musician. It's always great to hear you talk about it. Always, of course, great to hear you play. Um, and then if you're in the Minneapolis area this Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, night. Wednesday, check out Warren at the Dakota and we'll go out on this Buster Williams Crystal Reflections Vibrations is the track. Roy Ayers is the vibraphonist. Warren Wolf, thank you so much, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right.